here today? Now I think you're awake. I know you're all wondering what these blocks are up here for. If you've even seen them, if you're sitting in the back, maybe you haven't even seen them yet. We'll get to that in a bit. Today is Easter Sunday. Amen. And so we have gathered today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. But even as we celebrate our risen Savior today, our hearts are heavy with the realization as we listen to the news, as we read the newspapers, we check out social media. There's so much evil going on in our world today. From shootings that happen on a regular basis to a little boy being thrown from a third floor balcony in Minnesota and everything in between all of that. There seems to be so much hatred towards this person or that person that evil seems to be ruling supremely in the hearts and lives of so many people today. And so many people live in fear. It was about 25 years ago. Ruth received a telegram message from the United States Pentagon. I remember as a child when my mother received the same type of message from the United States Army. It stated that her son Clayton had stepped on a mine while serving in the Gulf War and now Clayton was dead. We got that same message that my dad had stepped on a mine and was killed in Vietnam. Ruth wrote, though, I can't begin to describe my grief and my shock. It was almost more than I could bear. For three days I wept aloud. For three days I expressed anger and loss. For three days people tried to comfort me, but no avail. Because the loss was so great. But three days after she received that message, she received a phone call. The voice on the other end said, Mom, it's me, Clayton. I'm alive. Ruth said, I couldn't believe it at first, but I recognized his voice and Clayton was really alive. This message that she had received from the Pentagon early on was a mistake. Ruth said to a TV reporter that was doing this story. She said, I laughed, I cried, I felt like doing cartwheels because my son, who I thought was dead, was alive. She told the reporter, I'm sure nobody can ever begin to understand how I feel. But I'm sure some of us this morning, as we have read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, We have read those stories. Those ones who have walked those pages of those books of the Bibles would have understood how Ruth felt that day because they too experienced the same emotions themselves. The disciples watched their best friend. Mary watched her son, their teacher, being nailed to the cross. They witnessed his pain as he cried out, My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? They listened to Jesus as he bowed his head and said, it is finished. 
They watched as his body was taken down from the cross and put in a borrowed tomb. How all their hopes and dreams were buried with him that day. And all day Friday, all day Saturday, they, those who had spent quality time with Jesus mourned until the scripture says the first day of the week, early in the morning. And women made their way along the path that led to the tomb, wondering who's going to roll the stone away for them. But when they arrived, they found that the stone had been rolled away already. And an angel told them, you are looking in the wrong place. You're looking for Jesus among the dead. He's not dead. He is alive. He is risen. Just like he said. He is risen. And that's what we celebrate this morning. With all the evidence that there is this morning, we must believe today that Jesus is alive. He has risen from the dead. And what a difference his resurrection has made in us and for us. But all of the verses that are in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John that describe Jesus' resurrection... I believe there's another book of the New Testament, one of Paul's letters that gives us a good insight as well. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in the pew rack in front of you, or I know it's going to be on the screen as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles. At last of all, He appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach and this is what you believed. With the introduction that Paul gives here in chapter 15, he continues on in chapter 15. If we were going to continue reading to give us a wonderful testimony about the resurrection of Jesus. And then in verse 51 of chapter 15, Paul looks at us straight in the eyes. And he says to us, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. 
with these words from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that we read, fresh in our ears this morning. Let's see some of the changes, some of the transformations that the resurrection of Jesus has made. To illustrate this transformation that the, his resurrection has made, we need to go back to the cross and the tomb for a moment. Before Jesus' resurrection, the cross was well known only as an instrument of horrible death. So terrible was this form of execution that the Roman Empire prohibited the crucifixion of any Roman citizen. Crucifixion was only for the worst of the worst of the slaves and the enemies of the Roman Empire. But today, because of Jesus' resurrection, we wear replicas of the cross around our necks, on our fingers, in our ears, as an earring, as a tattoo on our, our bodies, on our cars, as a thing of beauty for the world to see. For now the cross can be seen as a symbol of hope and a reminder of God's love for us. And then what about his tomb? Before the resurrection for most of the world, the grave was looked upon as the final chapter of life, the closing of a great door, the end of everything. Oh, but because of Jesus' resurrection, we can rejoice this morning because beyond death is where life really begins for us. And it will never end. We will live forever. So that makes me wonder, though, this morning. If life really does begin after we die. And if we're a believer and we spend the rest of our lives in heaven with God, why do we spend so much time worrying and fretting about the things that will eventually fade away on this earth? One of the popular actors today once said, I spent most of my life searching for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But then I finally found it at the foot of the cross. All of our lives, it seems we work and struggle to accumulate things that we think are important. But when we're faced with dealing with death and when the topic of what happens after death takes place, then all these things that we've accumulated through the years seem so, so unimportant. Really, what kind of difference does it make? What kind of car we drive? What kind of house we live in? What kind of clothes we wear? If we're talking about eternity, what, what difference does things really matter to us? On one side of the resurrection, everything we see is temporary. Only the things we cannot see, Scripture says, are eternal. What a difference the cross and the empty tomb make for you and I today. Then there's the transformation of life itself. Have you been listening to the message of the world on TV and social media lately? Do you hear the words of hopelessness and despair that seem to be all around us wherever we are today? We've become so painfully and personally aware of the presence of pain in our world. And whether we want to admit it or not, the men and the women of our armed forces today, they're spread across the world, engaged in what is known as a battle not against one another, even though that's what we hear on the news today. But the battles they are facing and fighting are actually against the forces of hatred and evil 
And then there are the diseases for which there's no cure in our world. There's problems in homes all across America. People are being abused. People are living on the streets of our cities. And if you watch the news or listen to it very long, we begin to be filled with despair and hopelessness. And if the only hope that we have is the hope that this world offers, we have no hope because the message of this world is despair and hopelessness. But Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. But there's great news for us this morning, church. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I have come to bring you life and that more abundantly to show you how to live, to bring you hope and joy and peace and love, to give you a reason for living. So church, even in life, even when our world is racked with pain, even if you're feeling today of loneliness, And sorrow today, you can go on for your strength comes not from yourself. Our strength comes only through Jesus and the power of his resurrection. But only, only if we accept the gift that Jesus is offering us today. Finally, there's a transformation of death. Before the resurrection, death was the end. Before the resurrection, all we could do was mourn at those who have no hope. But after Jesus' resurrection, when someone passes away, we mourn because we we have lost a loved one. But we mourn as people who have a great hope because Jesus is alive today. And the promises of God are true today. And because he is alive, we can be alive and live forever too. Our sins can be forgiven. They are forgiven by his shed blood and thrown as far as the east is from the west. And we have the promise of everlasting life with Jesus today. Because of what Jesus did on that first Easter morning, it changes the whole concept of death itself. Carl was a very rich man who owned a great estate. And one of his favorite pastimes was riding his horses through his valleys, looking at everything he owned and congratulating himself on his great wealth. One day as Carl was riding his horse, he came over the hill and in the distance, he saw old man Clyde. It was lunchtime and old man Clyde had set a little table under the shade tree. And was getting ready to eat his, his, his lunch that day. And before he ate, he began to bow his head and fold his hands in prayer to thank God for his food that he had. Carl watched old man Clyde as he prayed. And Carl looked at his meal that Clyde had there and it was only a slice of bread and a few pieces of cheese. With a sneer in Carl's voice, Carl said, is that all? If that's all I had to eat, I wouldn't pray. Old man Clyde replied, it's enough, and I'm thankful for God that he's provided it. 
Taken back by old Clyde's answer, Carl quickly turned his horse and prepared to ride away. But before he could leave, old man Clyde said, Wait a minute, I need to tell you something, Carl. I had a dream last night. In my dream, I saw a beautiful scene, and then I heard a voice saying, Tonight, the richest man in the valley is going to die. Tonight, the richest man in the valley is going to die. Baloney, said Carl, as he rides off towards home. But as he's riding towards home, those words of old man Clyde haunted him. Tonight, the richest man in the valley is going to die. Up until this point, Carl felt fine. But now he was beginning to experience pains in his chest. He wondered, could the old man be be right in what he says? Am I going to die tonight? When Carl reached home, he called the doctor and told him of old man Clyde's dream and the pain that he's been feeling in his chest. The doctor said, well, it doesn't sound like anything you ought to be concerned about. But just to put your mind at ease, I'll come over and examine you. So the doctor made his way over. And after the examination was over, he said, Carl, you are strong as a horse. There is no way you're going to die tonight. Carl said, well, I might feel foolish that I paid attention to old man Clyde about being the richest man dying tonight. But I just wanted to be certain. So reassured, Carl went to bed that night. The next morning, there was a knock on Carl's door. And it woke up Carl. Carl opened the door and somebody was standing there and said, Carl, old man Clyde died last night. Old man Clyde died last night. For you see, truly, the richest man in the valley died that night. I'm going to ask if the worship team will make their way up here. And if Pastor Carlos will go and get.